Hello, everyone, and welcome to Unlocking the Potential of Assessments, the show that delves into creating, delivering, and reporting on valid and reliable assessments. In each episode, we chat with assessment luminaries, influencers, subject matter experts, and customers to discover and examine the latest in best practice guidance for all things assessment. I'm your host, John Kleeman, founder and executive director of Question Mark, the industry leader in assessment management software. Today, I'm really pleased to welcome Wendy Kirkpatrick, who's president and founder of Kirkpatrick Partners. As a global driving force of the use and implementation of the Kirkpatrick model, Wendy leads companies to measurable success through training and evaluation. Wendy's results orientation stems from over two decades of business experience in retailing, marketing, and training. She's held positions as a buyer, product manager, process manager, and training manager, which leveraged her ability to organize complex, multifaceted projects and yield rapid results. As a training manager, she managed the training curriculum for 1,500 sales and customer service representatives across North America. And Wendy and Jim Kirkpatrick have written four books, including Kirkpatrick's Four Levels of Training Evaluation. We're really thrilled to have you with us today. Welcome, Wendy. Thanks, John. I'm so happy to be here as well. So what I'd like to start people off is how did you get into training and into assessment? How did you start off in that field? Well, John, that is an interesting question, isn't it? I like to say training finds people. And my experience was very much in line with that. As you just read in my bio, I was a business person. Um, I was all about the numbers and the spreadsheets and making the financial goals. And I came by training pretty honestly. I was a product manager at the time and I had a new product that was rolling out and it was mission critical for the company and for many of our key customers. And we got to the line item in the plan that said, create the training plan. So I met with the training person in the company who was actually kind of a jack of all trades. She was in human resources and she started asking me a lot of questions about what the training was supposed to be. And I remember getting a little frustrated with her because she was asking me things like, well, what should people very literally do after training? And I'm like, you know, sell the product. And um, I I got so impatient with the whole process that I just kind of skimmed that part out. I designed the training myself and my team and I did the training. And guess what? A couple months later, people really didn't know the product very well. It wasn't meeting the goals that we had hoped for. And I said, hmm, maybe there was something to this whole training thing and the question she was asking me. And I realize now the questions she was asking me were very related to the Kirkpatrick four levels, uh, which I had never heard of at the time. And that really sent me down the path of researching this whole idea of what training really does in relationship to the business and financial goals and really the goals of an organization. And from there, my career then sort of segued to, I did half marketing, half training, and then brought me around to where I am today when I saw how critically important training really is as a driver of business results. So tell us a little bit about Donald Kirkpatrick, who's credited with creating the four levels that are given his name. Yeah, Dr. Don Kirkpatrick was a university professor back in the 1950s, but he didn't teach classes to students at the university. Instead, he did outreach to the community. So he taught supervisor and manager training for the local area companies in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And when he was working on his own dissertation, he realized, you know, I'm doing all this training. 
I want to know if it's working. So the subject of his dissertation was to figure out, is his management and supervisory training actually working? So he started doing his own research, and he ran across some work by a psychologist named Dr. Raymond Katzel. And Dr. Katzel had these four different dimensions that he used to look at the effectiveness of a psychological assessment. And Don really took those and adapted those to training. So, you know, level four results, are you actually getting the organizational outcomes you're looking for? And level three behavior, after training, are people really doing what they were taught to do or what you asked them to do? in training. Level two learning, did they actually measurably learn the knowledge that you were giving them? Did they have time to practice the skills? And did they leave training with the appropriate attitude to go forward and do those things? And level one reaction, was it good quality training? You know, was the environment appropriate? Was there good facilitation, good program materials and those kinds of things? So the four levels were really born from that very practical place of Don wanting to know how his own training did. And so he used that in his dissertation. He used it in his work, but he really didn't have a business entity, so he didn't publicize it. So the amazing thing is from there, the four levels really are what they are today because people read his dissertation. And they saw it and they thought, oh my gosh, this practical model really seems to work. So um, what is now ATD actually asked him to publish an article and he published four articles, which have now become somewhat iconic um, in 1950 and 1960. The first article was called Level One Reaction, the second one, Level Two Learning, the third one, Level Three Behavior, and the fourth, Level Four Results. And these articles, even before the internet, were transferred around and tattered because so many people were using them. But it wasn't actually until the 1990s when he even wrote a full book on this topic. So amazingly enough, the four levels really have not only survived, but become the number one way to evaluate training over these decades, largely because they worked and people used them. It's so true. I mean, there's been several other models come out and things, but everybody seems to revert to the Kirkpatrick model. And I remember I met him him once. He came to talk at a question mark conference and uh, our user conference, and he was really impressive the way he talked and the way he'd obviously thought through this. So in a moment, I'd like you to perhaps uh, describe the, the four levels. But firstly, tell us about your current role at Kirkpatrick Partners and what uh, Kirkpatrick Partners do. Sure. I'm the president of Kirkpatrick Partners, and we are a little big company, I like to say. Um, we have a small but very dedicated team. And the primary thing that we do is we teach a certification program. Um, we believe very much in instead of giving a man a fish, we teach them to fish meaning we teach practitioners, whether they're in human resources or training across all industries, the Kirkpatrick model in a very practical way so that they can take this back into their organizations. And when they have an important initiative, for example, leadership development, onboarding, a new product program or service that they need to be successful, we give them a model and template so that they actually plan out how this is going to work on the four levels. And, you know, you had asked me to describe the four levels as well. And, you know, I'm probably going to integrate it into everything I say today because it's just it's so practical and, and so logical. And I think that's why 
the model really is still the number one model. So, you know, in our training, what people learn how to do is identify really what does our organization exist to do? What is its highest level mission? And then what are the specific results that would show that mission is being accomplished? Then you take a look at what are the goals of this particular program? What are the specific outcomes that should arise from the training and or the program? But then before we have to, okay, then let's go train people, which so many do, you have to remember the very important level three behavior. This is unfortunately often the missing level, but it's the most important level. If you don't have a good level three behavior plan, you are not going to have a successful, a successful initiative. So the level three behavior plan is that combination of the critical behaviors. What specifically will your training graduates do on the job to bring about the results you're looking for? So, so Wendy, just before we go into that in more detail, which I'd love to, love to hear, sure. there'll be some people uh, who are listening to this podcast who have no idea what the different levels are, and this is the first they've ever heard of compatriot levels. Do you want to describe what the four levels are for somebody who doesn't know what they are? Absolutely. Level four results, very much what it sounds like. What are the key organizational outcomes or results that your organization exists to deliver? Now, these are usually very easy to identify if you're a for-profit organization. Usually it's things like revenue, profitability, sales, overall success and health of the company. Now, let's say you're listening and you're thinking, well, that's not really true for me. I'm a government agency or I'm in the military or I'm in a humanitarian organization. And we don't view our level four results through a financial lens. We actually have a different mission. That is okay. If your mission is non-financial, what you want to look to is probably something like your mission statement, maybe even your vision. So it might be to save lives. It might be to keep our country safe. It could be to, um, you know, save as many lives in Africa through a vaccination initiative. You take something like that and then you combine it with your financial reality that probably the only way you can live out that mission is through your government allocations or donations or benefactors. That's what you're looking at at level four results. Once you're clear on that, really, why your organization exists and what those key metrics are underpinning that, then you think about level three behavior. What, in specific and measurable terms, should people be doing on the job to bring about those results that you need to be successful? So level three consists of two parts. You've got the critical behaviors that embodies those specific actions, and then what we call required drivers. And those are the things that help people to perform those critical behaviors. So that's methods of support and also methods of accountability. So people have the best possible chance to do what they need to do, and they're being held accountable for it. Then you can start to think about level two learning, which is really more the classic training. This is, did people get the knowledge that they needed? Did they have the opportunity to practice and demonstrate the skills that they're going to need to perform on the job? Do they have the right attitude or thought pattern about it? And the Kirkpatrick definition of attitude is a little bit different than the dictionary definition. So I'll spend a moment on this. The Kirkpatrick definition of attitude is, do people emerge from training with the right thought pattern about the importance of performing the critical behaviors that they just learned? So they may or may not even agree with you, 
But what you need to drive home is they see the importance of doing these things on the job for their own success as an employee and for the success of the company. Then you also want to take a look at, do people come out of training confident to do what you're asking them to do on the job? And have they made a commitment to you that you're going to do it? Now, during training, you also want to make sure you're doing everything possible to help people to have a good learning environment. So that's where level one reaction comes in. Here, you want to do a customer satisfaction evaluation. You know, was the training enjoyable enough for people to be focused on the learning and not be distracted from it? Did you have a good level of engagement so people had an opportunity to learn? And was the material relevant to their work? Because Hey, let's be honest, the greatest training in the world is of no use if it's not relevant to what people are going to actually do and use on the job. So that's the four levels. Sometimes people say, so wait, one, two, three, four, why did you just tell me four, three, two, one? The reason we teach them four, three, two, one is because always with everything in life, you want to start with your end results clear. So that's really where your thought pattern starts. What am I trying to accomplish? Then you drill down through the levels. That sounds fantastic because I've always heard it as one, two, three, four. And then people start off by saying, well, look, I'm measuring uh, learner satisfaction and I'm measuring knowledge. Well, those are quite easy to do. And then behavior, well, that's quite hard. And results, that's quite hard. And so I think a lot of people just focus on levels one and two, but that doesn't perhaps get them to the goal that they, they want to go. So what is the most important of the different levels? Well, John, you bring up such a good point here. We believe the most important level is level three behavior, because if you don't actually have people doing what they learned after training, you're not going to realize any of the business results that you were looking for. And when people start the four levels, the way you said that so many people were taught just in numeric order, people tend to run out of resources before they get to the most important level. You know, they conduct a survey at the end of the program and call that their level one reaction evaluation. They do some testing and some activities during the training. They call that their level two evaluation. And then uh, they're on to the next program. So it's really critical for anybody involved in training to turn the levels upside down and say, you know what, we're going to start first with concerning ourselves with what happens after training. And let's build that plan and put a lot of resources into that. And I'm not saying don't evaluate levels one and two, but so far what we've really seen in the industry is there is an overspend of time, money, and resources on evaluating levels one and two because they're there, because they're easy, we feel comfortable with it. But that really should be turned around. So those resources are put to evaluating level three behavior. That's the most important. And honestly, evaluating levels one and two can be pretty automated at this point in time. So what is the best way of doing level three? Because I know a lot of people ask that. What have you found has been good ways of measuring behavior? Good question, John. And, you know, there are a couple different things that you want to do in an effective level three plan. So first, you really want to think about level three long before the training is over. I would consider building your level three plan part of your instructional design. So when you're first thinking, hey, we need a training program or we're going to implement some training, right then you want to think not just about what's going to happen during the formal training itself, whether that's in the classroom, live online, self-paced, whatever it is. I would really recommend that people think about what kind of information do people need before they get into the formal training? 
what's critical to teach them in a formal environment. But then I would try to keep as much as 50% of your resources for let's structure what actually happens after training. And what happens after training comes in two different parts. Um, you want to have methods of accountability. Um, I think we all know what gets measured gets done, right? If it's important enough to do, it should be important enough to measure. So then you wanna think about, okay, how are we actually gonna know what people are doing after training and if they're doing what we taught them? So you wanna think about, are we going to um, do some observation? Are we going to ask the people who went through training to do some of their own self-monitoring, maybe turn in a report at the end of the week, talking about how they implemented what they learned in training? Might you wanna have a scorecard or a dashboard to show people's progress? in terms of not only what they're accomplishing, but very literally what they're doing. So you've got that accountability piece. The other important piece, which I think a lot of people are doing already, but they're not necessarily considering it part of level three behavior, is you wanna take a look at how are you supporting people and doing what they should do after training. So we have three different dimensions of this that we have as part of what we call required drivers. So here what you want to look at is how are we actually supporting people in doing this, reinforcing what needs to be done. So that can take the form of job aids and checklists, something people can keep right in front of them so they have that in their moment of need. Or what other resources do you have? Maybe um, a help desk or um, a wiki where people can go and ask questions or maybe um, you get a little more formal with it, and maybe you have coaches or mentors that are available to help people right in that moment of need when they're on the job and they need to be doing these things for real. And then the third piece you want to think about is how does this tie into your reward system? People, rightfully so, are going to do what is rewarded. So if you're asking someone to do something on the job, you need to make sure that um, minimally it's not in conflict with how they're being compensated. But ideally, maybe you make it so you work with human resources and what they're doing is part of what they would get incented for financially. You know, it's in their key performance indicators, it's in their performance appraisal, and this is the kind of thing that they're formally evaluated on. Now, that's not always possible. You also want to think about what kinds of less formal rewards might be available, things that are maybe a little more intrinsic, like are people getting praise when they perform that critical behavior? Are they getting some recognition? Do they have people sending them a nice note, congratulating them, uh, maybe sharing in a team meeting that they've done the right thing? You wanna look at those things as well. So all of those things go into a good level three plan. And um, if your brain is kind of exploding right now and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, Wendy, like please live in the real world. I'm so busy right now. Where am I gonna get all the resources to do that? Where you're going to get the resources is first, this is part of your instructional design plan. This is part of your training, if you will, to build this. So the resources are gonna come from not overdoing it on the formal training and the evaluation of levels one and two, where a lot of people are overspending resources right now. You need to shift some of those over and really concern yourself with what happens after the formal training is actually completed. And in terms of actually doing the uh, level three, so we've seen some people use observational assessments whereby they have somebody watching something and, and putting something in a an iPad or another tablet. And we've seen people survey managers and other employees. Are those good measures of mechanisms? 
Absolutely, John. Those are great. Anytime you can get supervisors involved and doing some observation and taking some notes, that's fantastic. I think that does bring up a really important point, though, that um, a common stumbling block that we hear about all the time is, oh, well, that would be great if I could even get a minute of the supervisor's attention. And so I think a lot of people get frustrated there when maybe you have a manager or supervisor who doesn't see that as part of their role and maybe even bounce that back and say, well, you're the training person, you come and do the observation. But maybe based on your position, that's just not feasible. You know, we work with people who train people around the world, uh, maybe conduct training for 10, 50, or even 100,000 people in terms of their overall organization population. So don't let that stop you if you don't have a supervisor to do that observation. That's where I think a little creativity comes in where if that's not gonna be possible, maybe you can buddy people up during training and peers can do that observation. Maybe what you can do is use technology to be actually a little more friendly and send out a reminder and ask people to complete a quick survey question and have them do some self-monitoring and have them tell you what they're doing. So, you know, don't let unavailability of managers and supervisors stop your level three plan. Yeah, no, I mean, I've certainly read that manager support of trainees post-training is really, really important to the trainer's success, which ties in a bit to what you were saying. Yeah, when you can get it, it's fantastic. And um, when you can, definitely then meet with managers and supervisors before the training and really sketch out what their specific involvement and responsibilities will be after training. That is such a critical differentiator between training that produces results of 15% effectiveness versus 85% effectiveness. So definitely engage your managers and supervisors if they're willing and give them specific roles. Don't just say, hey, you know, support what happens after training. Give them some specific responsibilities and things that they can report back to you so that you can see what's really going on after training. And maybe you don't have to do it all yourself then. That, that makes sense. And I think what you're saying then is start with level four, what your business goals are, work out the behavior that reaches those business goals, focus a lot on measuring that level three behavior, do a little bit of level one and level two, but really focus on level three and evaluating behavior changes. That's the formula. Okay, so let's let's move on a little bit and look at our, how things might change in the future. Or in particular, there's been a lot of homeworking, uh, obviously because of COVID, and that is it means a lot of remote training. How does that change how you evaluate training or does it change it? Well, the great thing, John, is the principles remain the same. And that's why the Kirkpatrick model really has transcended since the 1950s. So the principles, the levels, those all remain the same. But what we can talk about a little bit is tactically how you actually operationalize those things when you're almost 100% remote. So we can talk a little bit about specific things that people can do. Um, I think one is being modeled right here. Um, we are nowhere near each other right now. We're in a video conference and we're having a conversation as if we're sharing a cup of coffee together. So I think the video capabilities available today give us the fantastic opportunity to get together with people, maybe even more than we did before so many of us were working from home. So definitely set up some FaceTime and take the opportunity to talk to people. And I think sometimes people get intimidated and think that, all training evaluation needs to be really formal and really academic and really rigorous. But 
one picture of what training evaluation can look like, particularly at level three, is simply having a call with someone which maybe was scheduled for another reason and asking the question. So, you know, we did that leadership development training program last month, and you learned that conflict resolution process. Have you had an opportunity to use that yet? Oh, well, tell me how it's going. Okay, well, did you find the outcome to be effective? Oh, no, well, let's talk about what was troubling for you or what didn't work as well as you thought. All those questions can give you good data for level three and for level four, the actual outcomes from it. So a simple conversation with someone will do it, an email could do it, um, a text message you can ask. So don't feel like every single thing you do needs to be, oh, I'm polling the whole population and I need to get all of this very specific data. Um, you know, the stories and testimonials that marry with the numeric data are every bit as important. And you can get that video conference, text, email. That's uh, useful. And in terms of presenting to training management, so if you're a trainer, you're a trainer manager, you've got to present to your board and say why our training is effective. How should you roll up the different levels or the level three data to show that? Well, that's a really good question, John. I would say in the perfect world, Hopefully you've had an opportunity to ask your stakeholders before the training is even conducted, maybe when you're in the planning phase, what kind of data is actually going to be meaningful to them. That will save you a lot of trouble gathering all kinds of data, tabulating things, hoping that you're going to show them what they were looking for. So if you're able to ask that simple question at any point up front, that's going to help you to be a lot more successful. Now, if that opportunity was not available to you, maybe your training is already in work, and that opportunity has passed you by, here are some general guidelines. First, put yourself in their shoes. If I am a busy executive, what I am probably being held accountable for is producing level four results in my organization. Things like sales, profitability, reduction of waste, retention of high potential employees, um, customer acquisition. So those are the kinds of goals that are going to be important to them that's the kind of data they're gonna to wanna to see. So make sure you're clear on some level four targets that align with things that are important to them that are things that your training can actually influence. Then at level three, the kind of data that you're gonna to wanna to show them is employee performance. You know, If one of your goals is to increase profitability, hopefully you've got some level three data from some of your key programs to show them. For example, if this is a leadership development program, what you could show is that when leaders started conducting regular team meetings at least once per week, you've seen lower attrition of high potential or employees that you wish to keep. And then you're seeing that that's contributing to profitability because you're not having lost time doing recruiting, onboarding, training, and all of those things related to that. That's kind of the story you wanna tell that you know, we did this training, people performed certain behaviors, and now we're seeing those outcomes. That's probably what your executives are gonna wanna hear about. They're probably not super interested in hearing about your level one data, and people spend a lot of time reporting this. That's the kind of question where if you can ask, find out you know, if they're interested in seeing your customer service ratings from the training, or if they're even interested in seeing data about how much people learn during training. Um, they might want to see a couple points on that, but probably what they're going to want to see is how did you help to improve performance 
and how did this contribute to key results? That's fantastic. And I can see why uh, your training is very successful because it, you really speak very well. And I, I can really see how people get value from attending the sessions that uh, you and your team run. So thank you for sharing some of that with us. How do you see this changing in the future? Is uh, next in 10 years time, would all this still be the case? How would you see that? Well, John, history would say that the four levels really are timeless principles that don't change. So how do they change? Um, because we get asked this question quite frequently. They say, oh, geez, this model, it's like, geez, it's pretty old. Um, how could it still be relevant? And so we, we do spend a lot of time answering that question. And the reason it's still relevant is because the core principles are just plain common sense. And they're elegant and simple and not overdone. So that's why the principles don't change. What does change is the specific tactic that you might use to implement them. You know, back in the 1950s, when Dr. Don Kirkpatrick conceptualized the four levels, think about it. We didn't have computers. We didn't have the Internet. But the four levels still made sense. So now in our world that's really much faster and training is delivered in completely different ways, we still need to identify our end goal. We still need to see how people are doing on the job and how they're performing. And we still need to teach people the skills that they need. How we go about doing it might differ a little bit, but the underlying principles remain the same. So 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now, I think the four levels will be the same. What will differ is how we go about conducting them. Well, that's a brave statement and not one that many people would, would make for 30 years' time. Things are still going to be the same. But it may be true. I, I certainly I take your point that it's been going for o over 50 years. So can we end with just some key takeaways? What would you like uh, trainers or others involved in uh, delivering learning to take away to learn from this that perhaps could improve their, their training or how people learn? Sure. The first thing I would say is, no training professional can afford to not evaluate if their efforts are effective. You know, this is really a matter, I think, of the training and professional development industry coming of age. Nobody in sales or marketing or operations would ever think they could get away with not being evaluated or having their performance checked. So this is actually a good thing for us in training that people are asking, what value am I getting from you? So every training professional needs to concern themselves with what kinds of organizational outcomes are coming from their efforts. Along those lines, I would also say any training professional that merely delivers training as their one and only function really ought to think about broadening their perspective. Think about um, to what degree are they evaluating the impact of that? To what degree are they making sure that their content is in alignment with organizational priorities and that people are actually using it? If you merely deliver content, you are at grave risk of being replaced by artificial intelligence, an app, a YouTube video. Um, it's, it's out there and a lot of it is free. Um, the next piece of advice I would have for training professionals, if they just feel like this is all very intimidating is get involved with other training professionals. There are a lot of people doing this. Um, I feel an awful lot of questions on LinkedIn where people say, quote, is anyone actually doing this four level stuff? I need to see some examples. Well, if you ask that kind of question, you're going to get a lot of people responding saying, yes, 
A lot of other training professionals are doing this. They're frankly a step ahead of you. We've got books full of examples of people who not only can evaluate their programs on four levels, but are doing it. And so it's really become a necessity for any training professional to be showing the value of what they do. That I think is a good snapshot of really my good advice for any training professional, regardless of their position. Wendy, that's really fantastic. Uh, I think there's been great advice today, and and, and I hope listeners you, you've enjoyed it. So thank you, thank you so much, Wendy Kirkpatrick, for joining us today. Uh, that's the end of the podcast. Please reach out to me directly at johnacquestionmark.com with any questions, comments, or if you'd like to keep the conversation going. You can also visit the Question Mark website at questionmark.com to register for any of our many best practice webinars we host monthly. And also, please do Google uh, uh, Wendy Kirkpatrick. Uh, their services are fantastic and, and lots of very good training there. So thanks again, and please tune in for another exciting podcast discussion we'll be releasing shortly.